I'm Jason Bradford. I'm Asher Miller. And I'm Rob Dietz. Welcome to Crazy Town, where AI-piloted hyper-drones will drop brain implants down your chimney this Christmas. Now go stand in your fireplace. Hi, this is Crazy Town producer Melody Allison. Thanks for listening. Here in Season 5, we're exploring false prophets and the dangerous messages they're so intent on spreading. If you like what you're hearing, please let some friends know about this episode or the podcast in general. Quick warning, sometimes this podcast uses swear words. Language! Now, on to the show. Hey guys, um, before we start the episode today, I just want to run an idea by you, see if maybe you can help, okay? So, sure. you know, part of my job at PCI is to fundraise for the organization. Gotta bring in the dough. Yeah, right. do so, a great job, great job. Thanks. Now I'm feeling, <laughs> feeling show, condescended. I'm, feel, I'm feeling like the Jerry Maguire, show me the money scene, uh, like where he's just yelling, show me the money. So I, you know, always looking for new leads, came across this, this foundation they don't have a lot of information on their website. You know, hmm. some foundations got a lot of, of guidance and instructions, details about their program activities. This website had 38 words, literally. That's it. <laughs> oh, that's sparse. They're 38 yeah. words, yeah. Yeah, on, on the website. But they seem to have like a lot of money. Right? How do you get and, in touch with them? Well, and some of the things that they talk about are things like yeah. we're, you know, renewable energy research and stuff about space exploration, which we've been talking about on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, Not sure the way we've been AI talking stuff. about it. Okay. Well, so it's yeah. the Musk Foundation. Excellent. Okay? Elon Musk. The guy's rich. He's, the guy's got a lot of money, right? Yeah. Um, and he's been criticized, I think, you know, recently because, you know, most of the money has been going to open AI stuff. Right. You know, he needs to spread it out. Yeah, you should spread it out. All right. Out, well, so know? if he's got such a sparse website, I assume at least half of it tells you uh, his phone number. Well, that's his... that's the problem. There's no way to get in touch with them. There's no contact information. There's huh. nothing, right? Oh, I, oh, so I, I, I'm I got, trying to figure out how to get a hold of the guy. Oh, yeah. I got an idea. Rob, okay. you he went to Penn and you went to Penn. Okay, maybe with the alumni association or whatever, you try to like a next reunion, maybe he'll be there. Yeah, I'll probably yeah. be having drinks with him at the next reunion, which I'm not attending. Uh, that's, <laughs> Nor is he probably. I, I, can I just say, I, it seems to keep coming up that guys who have these problems, let's say, with their character went to the same school as me. Is it, do I have this uh, issue as well? It's this a big school. This has been well established <laughs> already, Rob. School. Yes, you do have the same. It's, like, it's like claiming to be a New Yorker and then worried about all the jerks Okay, so York. your I, idea, Jason, yeah. is Rob to like pin him down yeah. at some I'm not doing that, so I have okay. a better idea, okay. okay? So I think what we do is we record an entire episode about him. We're going to pivot from the guy we were going to do as a false prophet. Oh. We're going to do Musk. Okay. Yeah. And we can we can just uh you know That'll get us we can hashtag the crap out of him on Twitter. That's Let's, how we're gonna He's a raging him. narcissist. He loves any attention. It doesn't really matter. That's yeah, and I'm sure he'll love he'll listen to this episode and I'm sure he'll love it. Yes. And then he'll give us money. Awesome. Okay, that's the great it's it's done. Let's right. do this. We already Let's know so much about him. We could probably just do this off the top of our heads. I'm pumped up. Okay, let me see <laughs> let me try to remember his bio. Here it goes. The guy was born in South Africa is his father was a wealthy engineer with a 50% interest in an emerald mine. He I was, can relate. Yeah. He was, you know, somewhat politically progressive. He was anti-apartheid and into politics a bit, you know, local government. His mother was a model and a Canadian. Mm. Great combination. <laughs> but he kind of had an unhappy childhood. Apparently, he wasn't very popular. He was isolated. He was bullied. He says he may have Asperger's. And so, you know, socially awkward, especially as young. And... 
his father maybe wasn't so good to the family. Uh, there are some some hints that he was abusive, and it recently came out that his father had a child with his stepdaughter quite recently. So it's a little a little odd and 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 sketchy, kind of worrisome background. Is, there. Um, is his dad Woody Allen? Yeah, it's a Woody <laughs> Allen sort of situation. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Um, okay. So his parents got divorced when he was young. His mom moved back to Canada. He lived with his dad, didn't really like it, so he wanted to live in the U.S. Mm. So he moved to Canada, which is, I guess, the closest he could yeah. get after high school in 1989. So, yeah, he's following along with me. That's when I graduated high school. So. Did you also go to yeah. Canada? Uh, yeah, and the Emeralds, though, we had sold that business by, you, by you then. You sold the mine. Uh, you know, okay. Yeah, traded for a ruby mine and a sapphire <laughs> mine. Yeah, so what he does, he goes to University of, in Canada for a couple of years, and then he transfers down to Penn. Yeah, that's where you met him. Where <laughs> I did not meet him, <laughs> although he he did study physics and economics, so maybe we shared a, an econ course. Mm. Uh, we just took different things away from it, okay. I would say. <laughs> Uh, he was accepted then for a PhD program in material science at Stanford, but he dropped out after two days because this is what you do if you want to make a lot of money, yeah. right? You, two days. Yeah. Well, this is the roaring nine, the roaring early two thousand. Maybe he just 90s, couldn't find his 90s, classes. Roaring nineties. Yeah. Two days. Yeah. Well, so he he starts a business with his brother Kimball, along with funding from his dad. That's called Zip Two, the number two. Mm-hmm. There's some allegation that he may have stolen this idea, but it was a. a an internet city guide back in the early days of the internet. Right. It's like it's like a white yellow pages but online and big cities would help fund this yeah. stuff and promote it. So he got a little bit of money for that, but his real money, initial money came from starting PayPal with other folks, Peter Thiel, mm-hmm. others that, that we know about. And then PayPal was purchased by eBay in 2002. He became worth around $200 million as a result of that sale. Mm. He's probably thanking Peter Thiel every single day for insisting that they sell the company rather than go public. Yeah. Because uh, it would have uh, probably lost tons of value when the boom went bust. Yeah. So it got a really good deal on that sale. And it's interesting. There's a fascinating history. I'll be brief about it. But around 2001, he became involved with the what's called the Mars Society. So these are basically folks that are really interested in colonizing Mars, right? And he actually went to Russia to try to buy uh, refurbished ICBMs or intercontinental ballistic missiles to convert them to rockets that, that would that would send greenhouses into space. I'm a little vague on the details, but you know, it's all about working towards eventual space colonization. Do you it, have to like do you have to sign for that when you come back through customs? Like they bring you back these ICBMs? <laughs> well, they, they that didn't work out. So oh, they, they, they didn't well, that's probably they didn't, why he got stopped at the border with the with the rockets yeah. in his backpack. He forgot to claim they them. They couldn't yeah. they couldn't strike a deal. But here's what's interesting is that Musk founded then SpaceX with $100 million from that eBay sale in 2002. Of course, nowadays, SpaceX is known for having these partially reusable rockets, has large contracts with NASA to serve the International Space Station. It actually docked with that in 2012. And of course, the satellite internet service Starlink. This is pretty incredible. He goes from being an internet city guide to internet banking and transaction services to a space company. Right. And we haven't even gone to the stuff that he's really best known for, and that's Tesla Motors, right? Which was founded in 2003 by a, a couple of guys, Martin Eberhardt and Mark Tarpening. Um, yeah, never heard of these people, but they're the genius behind probably the special te- sauce in Tesla's, I'm guessing. Yeah, but who cares about those guys? 
<laughs> in 2004, Musk helped it go through new rounds of financing and became the majority shareholder with just a $6.5 million investment. Oh, chump change. Right? In uh, 2021, Tesla reached a market cap value of $1 trillion. And that's what made Musk, for a period of time, the wealthiest man in the world. There's a lot of gyrations in the value of his company, somewhat because of what he does, which we'll get yeah. into a bit. Yeah. But yeah, that was the peak. And then somewhat oddly, he ends up buying Twitter in 2022, right? Well, well he was trying to save it and make sure it was a great platform for free speech. Yes, exactly. Which, for, for his free speech. Right, exactly. Right. It's, it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's All right, well, up. let's get back to his personal life just a little bit. He has seven children from three women, and I guess aligning with that, he's said that he's worried about underpopulation here on planet Earth, even to the point where he goes after Jane Goodall for her concerns about overpopulation. I, I want to talk about that just for a yeah. sec, because okay. you go after Jane Goodall, oh. you go after every single one of us. We're, yeah. we're not, this is not going to I stand. think she should send some of her chimp friends after him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, has he not watched Planet of the Apes? Seriously. <laughs> so what happened is this video was played at a Davos conference where Jane Goodall said these words. She said, we, we cannot hide away from human population growth because it underlies so many of the other problems. All these things we talk about wouldn't be a problem if there was the size of the population that there was 500 years ago, which was about what, Jason? Half Five? a billion. Okay, yeah. So if we had half a billion instead of eight billion, we could deal with with our footprint issues uh, mm -hmm. better. Well, so Elon responded to this, of course, via Twitter. He says, this philosophy is the death of humanity. So 500... 500 million humans is the death. That's what I don't get. What does he mean? It, okay, it's just a little absurd. Like, because the right, we're not going to take Russian ICBMs into space, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Now, the guys had a, a bit of a fall from grace, I would say, in, in recent months in particular, especially with liberals after you know buying Twitter. But I think it's important to remember that for for a while, he was widely considered like the greatest mind sort of CEO entrepreneur. Yes. Since probably our buddy Jack Welsh, who we talked right. about earlier. Like there were famous Elon trolls, you know, on Twitter. Anytime you criticized Elon for anything, they would sort of go after you. He had a huge following of people who thought he walked on water. Oh right? yeah. I mean the the hero status that he his character kind of was built around is amazing. He was kind of the source for Tony Stark, you know, the... the Iron Man. Yeah, the Iron Man movies. And yeah. to the point that he actually had a cameo in Iron Man 2. <laughs> it was really awkward, I thought. But uh, I guess, to be fair, Bill O'Reilly had a cameo in that movie as well. So maybe it's not that great a yeah. thing. <laughs> well, it turns out, you know, similar to Jack Welsh, he, he's not a very likable character. Apparently, you know, he displays tremendous hubris, narcissism, he yells at employees, expecting these 80-hour work weeks. He actually calls himself somewhat proudly a nano-manager. What? Uh, yes. <laughs> so he takes – a micromanager is just too big. Right? Yeah. You can actually see a micromanager. A nanomanager, you can't even see them. No, they're just, it's like the Criswellian he's in your He's in your bloodstream. Exactly. Right? Yes. <laughs> Telling you what to do. Yeah, Interesting. Exactly, yeah. Invading the whole body with – Okay, calls well, himself a nanomanager. Yes. Wow. And I mean, he demonstrates some of these traits all the time. I mean, he plays this game of being overly confident, and then he overpromises and underdelivers, and he has no apology, no no reflecting. Oh, maybe I was wrong. So that, you know, prove it. Prove it. Yeah. An example is uh, <laughs> we, we we were watching this video where he's got eight years of telling 
whoever will listen, that they're going to have autonomous driving Teslas all over the road. And it's, it's, it's amazing. The, the, whoever put this video together, we'll, we'll put a link to it. But each year, he's like, yeah, we're one year out. Oh, don't worry. It's next year. Teslas are going to make it from New York to LA autonomously. Nope, no worries. Autonomous. Dr- and it's just wrong every and time. A- apparently, this absolutely drove the engineers at Tesla <laughs> completely bonkers. Again, his poor staff is sometimes just being driven nuts by what he does when he's not being handled and he's just letting loose. <sighs> now, he also sometimes does strange and controversial things. I think that there's a, I would say probably a real entitlement that he embodies a sense of privilege to be able to do some of these things and kind of like, you know, he's thumbed his nose at the FCC at times. He's done all kinds of stuff. I mean, he went on Joe Rogan's, you know, show and uh, smoked pot with him and, and dropped some real nuggets of quote unquote wisdom. You know, he, uh, he, he had this thing where I think when he offered to buy Twitter, he was, he was putting it at like a $420 stock price or something like that. Was that not Twitter? No, he was offering to take Tesla private. And oh. so he said he had a he had a deal maybe worked out where he was going to sell Tesla stock for four hundred twenty dollars a share right. from a private buyer. A little wink, wink, nudge, nudge to uh, to the. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Four twenty has something to do with with, uh, pot. with marijuana. It's, I yeah. don't know why. We just had that day a few days ago. We're in, we're in April. You're and, so old. If you don't know what we're <laughs> yeah. talking about here. But uh, but apparently well this yeah. was like he was trying to like make his girlfriend laugh, and so right. he. Yeah, he got in trouble, I think. Right. Like, yeah, messes with stock prices. Right? Oh, every like, chaos, chaos. But this happens. is what I mean SEC about, comes about in. the entitlement. You know, right. he's adored. People say, oh, that's Elon being Elon or whatever. And he gets away with doing shit like this. Right. You know? Well, and it's it's one thing to say someone's narcissistic, but it's it's another to show some behavior that really drives the point home. And my favorite is uh, just on Super Bowl Sunday this last year. Joe Biden, you heard of him, the president of the United States, right? He he goes on Twitter and he, he has a tweet about rooting for the Philadelphia Were Eagles. Were you rooting for the Eagles too? Nah, not okay. really. I mean, I you know, I'm yeah. sadly still an Atlanta fan, okay, but they haven't sniffed a super, anyway, whatever, sports. Well, so, they, they sniffed it, all right, and then they got yanked away from them, <laughs> yeah. 28 to 3. So, so uh, Biden puts out a, a tweet that gets engagement of like, 29 million uh, solid. impressions. Yeah. Solid. Yeah, he's a president of the United States. But, but yeah, Musk, Musk yeah. puts out a tweet, similar vein, kind of rooting for the Eagles, and he only generates 9 million. Right? That's not bad. Not bad, but that's not going to cut it's it. not 20. There's 9 million. Just follow me for a second, right. Jason. Is less than 29 million. <laughs> By 20 oh, million. Uh, we forgot to warn our listeners that math was Complex coming here. Math. But, uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so what Musk gets really pissed off and he flies back to the Bay Area. Pulls, Private jet. He's got yeah, a drone jet. By pulls the way. together a team yeah. of roughly eighty people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Gets those engineers who you talked about, probably Jason. This is like Sunday night to to address this unacceptable. <laughs> Would he have them all individually like his tweet? Is that what he did? <laughs> yeah. That, well, that's a start. So yeah, now he's got nine million and eighty. Right? <laughs> but, but no, he had the engineers pull an all nighter. They were threatened with being fired if they didn't fix this engagement issue. And what they did is they made his tweets 1,000 times more likely to show up in your feed. <laughs> and then, then there was kind of a backlash to right. this. Everyone just day, Musk's It's like all Musk, yeah. <laughs> and so they, they just scaled it back a little bit, right? Yeah. So he's still many times more likely to have his tweets right. show up than, right. than anyone else. Okay. 
Yeah, that, that's you're just jealous, Rob. You wish you had the same. <laughs> and he does all this bizarre stuff on Twitter. He, he's, you know, you remember this this situation where this QAnon guy, this just absolute off the charts nutty QAnoner, breaks into Nancy Pelosi's place in San Francisco. Yeah, and she's not there, but his her like eighty year old husband Paul Pelosi is getting attacked by this guy. And is is hurt. He has to go to the hospital. You know, it's 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 scary, right? This is the yeah. third person in line to the presidency, and this nutter comes in. Well, he kind of passed on this bizarre conspiracy theory that that must did must did that, that this guy was Paul Pelosi's gay lover. Just ridiculous, right? So it, it's kind of sad. But you look. This is what we're saying. You know, Musk likes to. Uh throw his weight around, troll people, do all kinds of things. He's messed with the valuation of different cryptocurrencies. He you know, opens his mouth and says, oh, I like this one or I like that one. Um, you better not say the one he likes. I'm not I don't, going to. Don't, don't, don't mess with that. Well, one. if we say it, it'll bring the value right back down. Also, you know, and he's not the one who sort of created this, but, you know, Tesla and SpaceX events, they, they can kind of seem like cult worshiping sessions you know oh, totally cheer when the rocket blows oh, up did you i guess see it's that? progress right? did you see that it yeah. was awesome uh, i mean i, I mean i was cheering too but for a different reason probably. <laughs> yeah. well i had to bring into this conversation what i think is one of the most spectacular scenes from his recent history and that's that's the thai cave rescue i saw that documentary <laughs> well oh my gosh you know the the actual rescue is got to be like it's the most amazing thing. I listened to this incredible podcast on it, and the the rescuer, the the guy's name Harry Harris, he's a scuba spelunking pediatric anesthetologist. Perfect. I mean, there's like one of eight billion people in the world with those qualifications. Well, I, you know, I over there at Penn, I thought about studying yeah. to be a scuba spelunking pediatric anesthetologist. Some schools and, you know, allow you yeah. to make your own degree. <laughs> yeah, you know. You can you put that on that. in your LinkedIn profile yeah. and see what kind of hits you that, get. You the know? Department of Scuba Spelunking Pediatric <laughs> Anesthetology is a little underfunded right now. Yeah. But it's, it's coming on after this cave rescue. So, so this guy kind of heroically rescues this Thai soccer team from the flooded he cave. He had a team of people, but yeah, yeah, he was the head honcho, I guess. But, but you know, Elon wanted to be the hero. He kept inserting the SpaceX and Boring Company, which we'll get to in a bit, with the idea of... Let's build a miniature submarine and uh, run that through the cave. And and on the day before that... Let's the, build it. It doesn't exist yet. Right. Let's build it. They're basically stuck in this cave with... Right. They can't get out. Right. Let's just take our time to build one. Well, yeah. so they on the... They it fast. Yeah. They, but on the day before the team was rescued, this is what he tweeted. Just returned from cave three. Mini sub is ready if needed. It is made of rocket parts and named wild boar after kids soccer team. Leaving here in case it may be useful in the future. Thailand is so beautiful. <laughs> it's like over and out. The sub was not used at all. He's leaving it there in case in the future it's helpful. But uh, And then after the, the team was rescued, there, there kind of ensued this bickering and media posturing. And he's trying to say, we're very helpful. People are saying that was a media stunt. And, uh, well, it's, he it's he shit all over the, this guy. You're in... Well, I don't know that he nailed him, but he, he definitely crapped on some of the people that were, uh, you know, got in a Twitter war, of course, and there was a defamation suit and all that. But, <laughs> but it's just cool. like... <laughs> These are the people that rescued the kids. Okay. Right. 
Okay. Kind of, it does remind me a little bit of when we talked about Bill Gates and sort of the whole philanthropic colonialism, you know, sort of the idea that we know best and we're going to come in and, and, yeah. and save and the rescue tech bros on right. the on the to the rescue. Yeah. yeah, especially bringing that Silicon Valley thinking to the problem. Yeah. All right. Well, so okay, we've 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 kind of done a little bit of a survey of of his life and works. Yes. Pro- probably not focusing on on the the things that he might highlight. That's what we're going to do now. But yeah. <laughs> we should talk about, you know, what why we picked Musk as a false prophet. And I think the key thing here is he's an amalgam in so many ways of the of the species that we have in kind of this. And, you know, Jason, you could talk more about this sort of this ultra modernist group mm-hmm. that we have of the false prophets. We're talking about the myth of progress, neoliberalism, eco-modernism, long-termism, singularitarianism, mm-hmm. doomerism. These are the folks who fully embrace modernism. And it's interesting that because he's been so good of a false prophet across so many of those different categories, <laughs> he's, you know, in some ways you could argue he's, he's easily one of the most influential people in the world, right? Yeah. And that's a testament to kind of how dangerous so, of a time we live so in. So he's kind of like the Frankenstein's monster or the $6 million man of yeah, false prophets. He's been, he's been cobbled together pieces from, from of parts of yeah, all the others. Yeah, you stitch this arm on, this leg on, or whatever. Which is a better yeah. analogy, you think? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> $6 million man? Maybe, maybe $6 inf- million dollar man because he's like a cyborg. So, uh-huh. You know, it, it yeah, fits. It's, it, it's more similar to the, uh, the Tony Stark kind of Iron Man character, yes. too, right? right? right. I'll go with $6 himself. million dollar man. <laughs> I love, uh, we've, he I would know, like to be a six trillion dollar. That's yeah. what I was going to say. We've joked about Inflation. this before. Six million dollars for him is like <laughs> yeah. I know how how quaint is six million dollars to these guys now? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So yeah. So you mentioned a lot of these sort of ideologies of share eco modernism and 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 long termism and all this sort of stuff. And the taxonomy, the important, very important taxonomy, is really, of course, it's a fun way of putting these silly names on some dominant but we consider non-helpful ideologies. So when I talk about the ultra-modernist group, I'm thinking of the species like the double-downers, the complexifixers, the cyborgians, the industrial breatharian, and, which we'll get to, Rocket Man. And so we're going to sort of go through how Musk is representative of these different species in various ways, how he is this Frankensteinian $6 million man of some right. sort. $6 million Frankenstein. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we got into this when we talked about William McCaskill, right? The long-termism, right? Which is tied up in, in, in uh, effective altruism, existential risk, singularitarianism, or whatever it is. Yeah, basically, like, think so long-term about populating the stars and having yes. as many humans uh, yes. alive and doing whatever they're doing. Well, and that's where that Jane Goodall comment comes from, right. from Musk. Right? Yes. Yeah. And we mentioned this author, Emil Torres, that is really kind of helping put this together and showing this as sort of a, a set of ideologies that actually look like they're different, but they're very, they're very cohesive. And, and the philosopher Bostrom is really important in this. And Bostrom and Musk really share the same goals. And Musk seems to have been very influenced by him. In fact, Bostrom's paper called Astronomical Waste in 2003, Musk basically considered it one of the most important things ever written. Well, he probably hasn't read the paper on the taxonomy. No, so he hasn't gone uh, to that I hope that Well, he's going to listen to this episode yes. and then he'll hear about it. And, yes. Yeah. Now, this is a little quick <laughs> review of stuff we may have covered in the Kurzweil and McCaskill episodes, but basically what this philosophy does is it defines 
very narrowly that human consciousness and humans especially being happy or pleasured is the highest value that exists, okay, in, in the universe. Mm-hmm. And so it argues that our moral imperative is to maximize the value of the universe, ergo the maximum number of happy humans leaving quality lives. And so then they they make this next leap, okay? We, we talked about how it's very human-centric, of course. Mm-hmm. Then we make this next leap, and there's a back-of-the-envelope set of calculations that Bostrom goes through just dealing with the Virgo supercluster of galaxies, <laughs> which I guess we're part of as a Milky Way. Yeah. But if we just colonize our local galactic cluster, we're not... We're not trying to like not overstep. Not overstep. <laughs> okay. Humble. Just a humble yeah. out stepping out. Well, we're not trying to get to yeah. another galactic cluster or anything. Don't worry about that. No. Yeah. Just our local supercluster. Right. It leads to a truly epic number of human beings. If you think about all the energy from all the stars that can be gathered to to to, to sort of energetically power all these lies. Now, now, it, now, this is where I get confused. Is we turning all those stars into computronium? Are we... <laughs> okay, Bostrom as a philosopher, not as a technologist, uh, does the numbers two different ways. You and I had the same thought about computronium. <laughs> like... I, read, I read the paper. It's brief. <laughs> okay. It's shockingly brief and poor and hor- horrible. Um, <laughs> and so it's fairly easy to critique because it's, it's not long. But go back to Kurzweil and remember how he explains computronium by holding up a rock. Yeah, you know? yeah. So it's basically, all. the Bostrom does this. He says, let's assume that we maintain our biological form and there's, you know, X number of zeros, like 29 zeros right. of humans. Yeah. But if we can become like nano, whatever, then, you know, you add you add another 10, 11 zeros or whatever. Well, it become fused with the singularity. We exactly. We could be physically more... embodied. We could also be virtual, you know. Yes. Yeah. So he, he runs the numbers both ways. And either way, it's very impressive. He says, you know, either way. A shit ton of people. It's a lot of people. Right. So but really. This is what I'm saying. I'm, I'm confused because Bostrom and these guys, they're like all about maximizing human happiness. Yeah. Kurzweil is maximizing computronium, the c- computing power of the universe, right? Well, so. because each of those units of computronium is going to embody some <laughs> sentient human-like consciousness that is being maximized in happiness. Oh, okay, so they're, con- they're yeah. consistent. This is, this is the they're fourth consistent. time this season that I've started bleeding out of my ears while we're <laughs> discussing this stuff, and okay. I really don't it's like so it. It's so fun to talk about this stuff like it's a real thing. <laughs> this is what's amazing. This guy's a this fucking is, Oxford. Bostrom. Right. It's, it's okay. like a video game. So there's two key things that Bostrom makes in this. In his paper, this is horrible little paper. Uh, <laughs> Oxford philosopher. Oh my god, he's so horrible. He's so bad. First of all, don't go extinct, and he repeats that a number of times. Don't go extinct. Got it. Don't go extinct. Got they it. call this existential risk. And the second is colonized space. Right. Okay. But he basically says the quandary, the recognized quandary by these folks, is the technology we use to colonize space may cause our extinction. And so this is why. Musk warns about the AI he helped to build through OpenAI, yeah. uh, genetic, genetic engineering, you know, to vastly improve human intelligence and longevity. This could also lead to super plagues. Nanotechnology itself can go out of control, and Kurzweil's worried about, like, the... Yeah, but that's why we need the blue... Exactly. The, the blue <laughs> nanobots. Right? right. Yeah. So you look at his companies like SpaceX and Starlink, you know, they're about getting us to Mars and then the next star system. And they're going to pay for it by making loads of money from governments and internet service sales. Right. All right. Okay. Well, bringing it back down to here now. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> so let's jump from long-termism to uh, another piece, eco-modernism, admittedly very closely related. Uh-huh. 
But this is kind of your your complexifixer species. Am I pronouncing that correctly? Yes, complexifixer. Thank you. Uh, yes. And this is where you could look at this this thing he unveiled recently called his Master Plan 3. What so, were the, the Master Plan 1 and 2, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, sequels are always better than the original, oh, okay. so we're, we're just going to stick with Rocky 3. Rocky 3 was... Yeah, Jaws 3D was incredible. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> so, so, yeah, Master Plan 3 is something he unveiled at a recent Tesla investors meeting, mm. and... Basically, the marketing for it is that we're going to develop a sustainable world, of course, tied to to Tesla's products. And what it is, is he's promising a quick, affordable, seamless, and sacrifice-free transition from the world that we have that's dependent on fossil fuels to one that's uh, fully sustainable. So just like some of our other guys. Love it. Right. Jacobson, I love it. Keith, Stuart Brand. These Bill are the Gates. Ones. Yeah. No sacrifice needed, no consequences. None, it's all good. Yeah, to put it in his own words, uh, Musk says, there is a clear path to a sustainable energy on Earth. It doesn't require destroying natural habitats. It doesn't require us to be austere and to stop using electricity and sort of be in the cold or anything. <laughs> oh, thank God. So it's all easy, quick transition. So... I don't think he would ever sign on to something like the Eco-Modernist Manifesto, but his name might as well be there. Yeah. Okay, so we got him as a long-termist. We got him as an Eco-Modernist, complexifixer dude. Mm -hmm. He's also, you know, very much channeling a bunch of the other false prophets we talked about around sort of the myth of progress, doubling down on the things that we're currently doing, Mm -hmm. neoliberalism. So... You know, let's start, let's start where we started the season, Pinker, right? Yeah. Pinker and the myth of progress, right? So on SpaceX's mission page on its website, it has this like uh, headlines with this quote from Musk. He said, you want to wake up in the morning and think the future is going to be great. And that's what being a space-fearing civilization is all about. It's about believing in the future and thinking that the future will be better than the past. And I can't think of anything more exciting than going out there and being among the stars. <laughs> now, I thought you said space-fearing, but you said space-faring? Is yes. space-faring, not <laughs> space-fearing. Because yeah. I'm, I'm kind of a space-fearing. I mean, well, yeah, just because you saw aliens. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I know. There's no oxygen out there. <laughs> That's really the issue right there. Oh, yeah. That's just a, a little little, uh, little thing we can resolve. Well, I love... Gravity, yeah. atmosphere, you know, all those things. I love, uh, I love piling on the quotes. So he shares this other view with, quote, Either we're going to become a multi-planet species and a space-faring civilization, or we're going to be stuck on one planet until some eventual extinction event. For me to be excited and inspired about the future, it's got to be the first option. Right. Yep. And this is where a little bit of the doomerism of these folks comes in. It's not the same as sort of like, well, what's the guy we cover on doomerism? McPherson? The the bunker guy. Oh, oh, yeah. Barrett Moore. Barrett Moore. He's not quite like Barrett Moore, but... He, he's actually worried about these asteroids and they're worried about... Sure, yeah, you know, they're worried about existential... That sort of I, stuff. I just like the... We've talked about false choice where he's giving two options. There's no there's no other possible way. Like, here, I'm going to give you this option and that option like you would do to a two-year-old. Well, you know? in, in previous seasons, we talked about Jeff Bezos, right? And, you know, when he launched his space company where his idea is not to go to Mars, it's to mine, yes. you know, the moon and then... Live O'Neill in, colonies. In, in geodesic orbit around the Earth, right? Yeah. What much smarter... Yeah. Right. (laughs) And his whole thing was the same thing. We're hitting up against limits of energy. And that means we're going to have to ration stuff. 
No. Uh, 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 unacceptable. <laughs> That's not the vision we want to have. So there's that pinker sort of like willful absolute by the skin of your teeth gritting holding on to this idea that we're going to be able to always constantly progress right yeah and then we get the whole i would say like clinton thomas friedman neoliberal vision of private companies solving all problems with Mm. the government you know subsidizing their profits and socializing the costs yes right that's what electric cars are for solving all the problems so that right so tesla's his most successful and well-known company claims to solve the climate crisis through luxury electric passenger vehicles, right? So that's doubling down on this sort of unsustainable transportation system that we have. And at one point, Tesla's valued, this is just mind-boggling yes. to me, as much as the 10 next biggest car companies combined. We're talking like right. Toyota, GM, Ford, Honda, BMW, Mercedes, a bunch of Chinese companies. Combine them all, it's valued the equivalent of all of the next 10, right? Kind of right. like the U.S. military compared to other <laughs> militaries. But little understood is that a lot of Tesla's success was subsidized, right? It was mm. subsidized through federal tax credits. So, like, they were able to keep the price of the car, you know, lower in a sense because people would get this huge tax rebate right. for buying them. And, I, and I'm not opposed to the government playing a role of trying to foster this transition away from fossil fuel ICE vehicles. But, but the other thing, and this is even less well understood, is that they sell a lot of carbon credits to other automakers, right? Oh, fascinating. So, so in 2022 alone... They made $1.78 billion at Tesla selling carbon credits to so, other so fucking gas guzzling wow. cars. So basically, they're companies. not doing anything then because they're just making room for internal combustion engine cars to right. be produced. They're I think they got a lot of flack for that, right? It was like... I don't know. I don't think people even really understand I, this there was very some, well. There was some like, wait a second, Tesla, you're supposed to be about the sustainable transition. You're, you're selling carbon credits to another... I think they got some flack, but... That's how, in a sense, we're subsidizing, right? Yeah. We're subsidizing private industry to supposedly solve our problems. And this is a guy who's espoused a lot of of views about government's not well positioned to do things. You know, he's he's a true libertarian neoliberal from that standpoint. But of course, like a lot of neoliberals actually want the government to, to have a hand in supporting them to do the things that they're doing. And one example of that is basically we're socializing the cost of them experimenting with self-driving mode in their cars because mm-hmm. they're, they're basically, instead of them taking on the cost of trying to develop this technology in safe ways, like private roads or whatever, right. they're just doing it on the road. Like yes, they just yes. take their Everyone's customers, people sign up, you're an experiment, yeah. go have at it. Do you know what I mean? And their car crashes, some deaths have, have resulted. Well, he's also channeling Jack Welch again. We, we've mentioned him, greatest CEO of all time. What he's doing here is he, he's really worried about we're going to run into labor shortages. Right. So rather than deal with economic policy conditions, you just make robots. Yeah, you know? it's incredible. <laughs> he has the uh, idea of, of getting the robot factories up and running. Again, he's not watching the right sci-fi movies. I mean, these... Well, I would <laughs> say not seen a, lot of, a lot of their factories are already very robotic, but the, the, the leap they're making now, and it's called the Optimus Program, but it's now called Tesla Bot, so they rebranded it. <laughs> and it looks like a human. I mean, well, that, not exactly. I mean, they're a humanized form with digits and everything and all the articulation. You know, because Toyota had robotic manufacturing a long right. time ago but this looks like a walking humanoid thing so well he's taking jack welsh a whole step further i mean jack welsh's thing was like rank and yank right yeah 
His is like, you breathe, you leave. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> wow, you, you're out of here. You should become an ad man. <laughs> oh my gosh, he's going to steal that. Okay, so I'm going to kind of go back again to the to the cyborgian sort of thing going on. You know, this idea, like we talked about Kurzweilian and Singularity. And there's two other companies, businesses that he's been dealing with. One he's very closely aligned to, Neuralink. And the other is OpenAI, which actually was a nonprofit that his foundation was mostly funding. Hmm. So he sort of stepped away from that because Tesla's getting so much into AI, he didn't want to have a conflict of interest. But the OpenAI has given us that chat GPT. So it really broke out this year and late last year, of course. But Neuralink, not many people have heard of this company, but it's one of several that is developing what are called brain-computer interface. And you'll see the acronym BCI. And the goal is literally to turn humans into cyborgs. And after all, this may be the only way we can actually colonize space is like, you know, our, our, our meat suits aren't going to be up for the travel. <laughs> so, and then this ties, this, this ties into the artificial intelligence work for a number of reasons. The robots and other systems that are required to do things like manufacturing, to get these self-driving cars, they, they need the AI. And it's also part of this sort of transhumanist framework that Kurzweil has talked about quite a bit where we literally fuse with our computers and our native intelligence then is augmented by supercomputers embedded in our brains via Neuralink. And you can watch these videos of the surgical implantation of Neuralink with this little computer sort of right in your skull. So they're working on this very, very fast right now. What an optimistic vision of the future. No, I, I've already, That's progress. I've already seen it because we talked about Iron Man 3, Jaws 3, yes. whatever, uh, Rocky 3. Well, Superman 3, this happens. Oh, yeah, the, Superman 3. The person yeah. gets turned into a cyborg. It doesn't end well. Okay. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> yeah. I'm just astonished that there's so many companies that he's actually involved with. And he's, as this nano manager, how the hell does he do that? Uh, with, yeah, as a nano manager? Well, you know, Dima nanobots. Maybe he's cloned himself. Right. You know, he's he's already a cyborg. He's able to be in many places at once. I, I don't know. It is an astounding story, and it is both highly disturbing and, in some ways, awe inspiring. I would say. <laughs> I'm pretty pretty excited about introducing Elon Musk to the show because he he represents a new species. I'm really into like finding new species and being able to talk about them and uh-huh. see them. And it's, it's ha- pretty haven't exciting. noticed that about you. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, he's a member of the species Homo phallus, which <laughs> is also known as Rocket Man. It, it, sorry, it just reminds me of uh, Life of Brian. Okay. This uh, character. I, I'm not going to reference the name of it, but... Uh, oh, yeah, but the, the, Roman, emp- the Roman guy? His, his yeah. buddy, yeah. Yeah, okay, that was pretty funny. Yeah. Okay, so basically, the, the, the rocket man species is not overly deterred by Earth's gravity well, wants to move you know, the shipping industry way up there. And this, this is a species that's both freaked out by the reality of limits to growth, but only because these limits exist on Earth. So, you know, we need to transcend the planetary realm and it, it has an astonishing combination of abil- abilities to make oodles of dollars, run rocket companies, and not a- appreciate the insanity of their hey, plans. Hey, earlier you said it's just limited to the, the supercluster, the galaxy <laughs> near supercluster. Yeah, they're trying to be modest. Okay. I, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> yeah, this is a very rare species because not many have the hubris to pull this off. You've got to be both 
a billionaire and yet still needing to compensate for something, yeah. right? So the, the type specimen is actually Jeff, Jeff Bezos. We've sort of talked about what he talks about, you know, re- you can't have rationing. Well, and his rocket ships are clearly the most phallic as well. <laughs> <laughs> but look, we've, we've been sitting here saying how Musk is the Frankenstein $6 million man who embodies all these different characteristics of a bunch of species. So I'm starting to wonder, Jason, uh-huh. if you're uh, Jason Bradford, PhD, okay. if his taxonomy is uh you know maybe lacking maybe you don't have the right species for musk here well um you want to duke it out i i uh, of course you know your simple view of the situation (laughs) is to be expected you you don't have a phd whereas i do and well there are a couple ways i went to the same school as elon musk okay touche and donald trump (laughs) yeah and damn it (laughs) okay there are a couple ways this can happen okay one hypothesis is that the rocket man is a, it's in the species complex I call the ultramodernists. I already mentioned this. And so the rocket man species is sharing ancestral characteristics, also known as plesiomorphies, with the <laughs> like super species. clusters. He, he made that up. Yes. There's no plesiomorphy. Isn't that a kind of dinosaur? Those are ancestrally <laughs> shared no, it's, characters. It's a fear of dinosaurs. <laughs> right. People, oh God, just take a look at the Working with course. such idiots on your. On your podcast here. Now, the alternative hypothesis is that the rocket man is a hybrid species and that reticulated phylogeny is possible. And this isn't always about divergence. There's convergence. And Lynn Margulis brought this mm. up, okay? Yeah. I remember when a reticulated python ate a goat, and then that, that was like a, a combined species, wasn't it? Just for just as long as it took it to digest, I think. Some of the greatest changes in evolutionary history are because of this process. Mm. I'm just, okay, you know, eukaryotes, plants, lichens, all right. Oh, yeah, like, like, Humans. My, like mitochondria, mitochondria coming into yeah. the cell. Right? Exactly. Okay, yeah. now you're you're following me, okay? So if anyone would like these two hypotheses to be tested, please donate to the special False Profit Research Fund at Post Carbon Institute. Thank you very much. Can we, uh, can we ask Elon to, to fund it? Yes, he should fund it. <laughs> he should. Thanks for listening. If you've made it this far, then maybe you actually like the show. If that's true, then there's one very simple thing you can do to help us out. Share the podcast or even just this episode. Think of three people you know who would get a kick out of Crazy Town. Use your podcast app to share it or send a text or go way old school and tell them face to face. Let's build a Crazy Town community so that one day we might be able to escape it. Three friends, please share. Before we get into a little more depth, a little more analysis on what's going on with Musk and and why his ideas and the way he operates are so dangerous, I I got a little lament to share. Mm. So, you know, when we go about setting up a crazy town season, it's quite a ways before we begin recording. And I remember we were putting together our false prophet candidate list and we had Musk on there. And at the time, it was kind of before his fall from grace. I was thinking like, oh... We're sort of on the cutting edge of, of <laughs> wanting to uh, talk about the problems with what he's doing. And uh, that that's kind of, he's gone from hero to villain status pretty quick. So that's a lament. But I will also, on the plus side. Yeah. It's a good thing. Because that maybe means people are starting to see through the false prophets. Maybe your taxonomy 
has it's made enough of, of the rounds yes. to to give people the the you know the the vaccine that they need in order to it's by far my most influential paper to date <laughs> yeah so we, we pat ourselves on the back maybe we're playing a little role in uh in helping people see these false prophets i, I have another lament which is honestly like i feel we scratch the surface on on right. some of the things that that he's been involved with you know we haven't talked about his relationship to the chinese communist party we haven't talked about him ostensibly saying that he wants to, you know, wanted to buy Twitter to make it a free speech zone, but actually censoring people there. Like, there's so much that we could get into with this guy that, that we just decided we didn't have time to do. So that's, yeah. that's my lament. You know, yeah. Man's been busy. He has. Pretty amazing, yeah. actually. Here's a thought for me. It makes me think of our, our good friend Chuck Collins, who wrote a book called Born on Third Base. And... That book was about his experience of having been born into family generational wealth. And in his case, Chuck gave up that wealth yep. and has dedicated his life to addressing, you know, uh, inequality, economic inequality. So he went back to the dugout from third base. I guess so. We, yeah. we got to give a little explanation of baseball to our international crowd. Because, <laughs> you know, this is basically, uh, well, I don't know. It's an American and Japanese and, and I think a lot of people There, there, there were four bases about. and three is one away from four. Yeah. Like and you're you're about to score. You're, if you're yeah, about to get base. points. It, so. And anyways, I was thinking about this when it comes to must be. Because we, we talked about his early career, right? He made you know he made his initial money with with the guide website that he yeah. had, and then he got he fell in with the PayPal mafia, and you know they made PayPal, made a shit ton of money from that. And as I mentioned earlier, I think a lot of that was was due to timing, you totally. know, in terms of when they when they sold it to eBay at high valuation. So it's kind of like I mean he was born on third base, you know, what his fucking dad's family came from, you know, some mining. You know, family, right? But beyond that, starting these companies, making a shit ton of money at a time where money was being thrown at everything. This is the dot com boom, and he's really successful in that. And that gives you this idea in your head that you're you're fucking amazing. And so it's not recognizing the circumstances, your luck, your fortune that you're born into, right. that leads to this incredible hubris. And that represents Musk as an individual, but. I think it's also a little bit emblematic of, in some ways, all of us who live in high, you know, what you call high energy modernity, Jason, mm -hmm. right? So we've talked about this a lot. Like We happen to, to live and been born into a time of really anomalous- Super abundance. Because fossil fuels primarily, right? Yeah. And so all the confluence of all these things that came together. And we talked about it when we talked about Pinker and economists and others who basically think that like, oh, because we've had this tremendous growth through this fossil fuel, fossil fueled period of acceleration, that means that's going to continue forever. Do right. you know what I mean? And there's something special about us humans. Yeah. So yeah. I think we're all, we could all look at ourselves now. I mean, obviously that we have different levels of, of individual fortune, right? It's not equal across all of humanity. Yeah, if, if Musk is on third base, I, I'm not sure I'm out of the batter's box yet. But uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's a tough one. But I totally get that point. It's, uh, yeah, we're, we're living at a really anomalous time. And, and then the other thing that I was thinking about with him was that there's something really dangerous and very compelling for people when belief systems and self-interest kind of overlap, mm -hmm. right? Convenient. And you could and you could wonder what's the cart, what's the horse? Right. Do you know what I mean? But when they when they reinforce each other, it's really hard to get out of it, right? So you'll get a guy like Musk who probably legitimately believes that he is a humanitarian, 
somebody who's spending his life trying to better the fate of humanity, right? He's got his vision yeah. you know, out into the stars. And he's done some good things. We didn't talk about what he's done with his help for the Ukrainian people with uh, oh, right. the Starling Starling there, yeah. thing. Mm-hmm. So he, I think he really believes that in himself. But you, know, you look, at, for example, what they're doing with fully self-driving cars, right? And I talked earlier about how they're basically experimenting on us humans, right? right. They're signing up their, their drivers for this program and this pilot project. And then the rest of us are part of the experiment, too. Because we're guys are, on the road with Yeah, them. those guys are out on the road. And basically, look... They need they need real world as much testing as they could possibly get to like improve these systems. Right. So they actually need crashes, near crashes, near crashes. All, yeah. you know, all these situations that kind of force the system to learn. Right. So they're experimenting on us, and he says, "Oh, this is actually about saving lives because once all transportation is is turned into." Fully aut- autonomous, there are going to be far less car crashes. Look how many Americans right. die on the roads every year. He's not wrong about that. Right. You know what I mean? So, fine, we break a few eggs in order you know, to, to achieve that. And he probably convinces himself he's doing it again. Yeah, for, ends justify the means. Him. But meantime, what's happening for Tesla is their, their market share, their cornering of the EV market is getting undermined. Sure, other people you know, companies. They're, they're really rushing to basically lap others around the self-driving car technology, whether it's patenting it or whatever, you know, cornering the market on that as basically a way of ensuring Tesla profits and, and its Right, there, you know, might its be, there might be other EVs out there, but only Tesla has that fully... Right, so he's going pell-mell to do that, but right. he's convinced himself he's doing it for the greater good. For the good. greater good, yeah. right. Well, you know, what I sort of see is that we have this bigger system that really feeds and rewards people who are these sort of power-seeking narcissists. And we, we really then turn to these people because they have so much power, they have so much influence. We turn to them to solve the problems that have been created by the system that they help create and that reinforces their power. Yeah. So there's this really bizarre... Feedback loop here. Yeah, we, we talked trapped. about that that feedback loop in the Bill Gates episode. Same thing. Create all these problems, then the, your philanthropy comes along to try to solve it all. And I think given the scope that we're facing of this predicament, there, this tendency of hitting these narcissistic, I'm going to save you techno people is going to, it's going to be even stronger. Like we're going to want these salvation figures to come and save us. The problem with this feedback loop is they're going to keep taking more and more power all along the way, and it's going to become more and more dangerous. Yeah. I'm kind of curious about, you know, how somebody like Musk stacks up versus like Alexander the Great. Oh, he, he, he's, he's curious about that, too. He <laughs> wants to be in the number one position. <laughs> <laughs> but in the past, you know, you, you would have these state actors that would get huge, and they would send armies across conquering, and the waste, the waste this was, right? So anyhow, it's kind of curious. It's just I think it's the sort of same personality types, but in now a new context of our sort of global financial system, private corporations, high technology. But I'm, I'm it's similar patterns, maybe. You know, it's it is interesting to think about because you know at the time of you, you look at Genghis Khan, other kings or emperor figures, yeah. whatever. You know, the, that's in a lot of ways post democracy, pre democracy, right? Uh-huh. Like. And we live in a time now where ostensibly we believe in democracy, we believe in meritocracy, we believe in a lot more individual freedoms or whatever, but we've created an economic market system that really is like, it's about individuals. And so 
we have to rely on these individuals to rescue us or to achieve things rather than us doing something collectively. Yeah, it, interesting. Yeah, it, I, I don't, I don't know how. You, yeah, how you compare? How you compare? But <laughs> yeah. we have talked about like you know Richard Heinberg in the book Heinberg in the book Power, and we talked about this in our self domestication episode about you know we would keep these bullies in check. We, there would be ways of of ostracizing them, right. you know, or killing them in, in groups or, and we have prison systems, we have court systems, but it almost seems like at a certain point you get sort of too big to get checked anymore in this, in today's world. Well, yeah. that's now, what's they're, scary. now they're like lionized, right? right. I mean, and I, I actually, while you were asking, I don't know how we would compare them. I think we got to see if he crosses the Alps with a, with a herd of elephants and then we'll know <laughs> yeah. that he's at least uh, yeah. in the same league as Hannibal. Right? Yeah. Right. I also find it interesting how, like, you know, Bostrom's paper is called Astronomical Waste. And the argument he says is that it would be such an astronomical waste if we did not colonize the Virgo supercluster <laughs> because the, 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 the ultimate value potential here is just so phenomenal. And, and, and so what I, what I kind of turn on this and I say, actually, I see it as a feudal planetary waste, right, that we should be spending what remaining endowment we have on making sure that this planet is is okay and makes it through the bottleneck of of climate change and the biodiversity loss and soil the, and uh, soil <laughs> you know decline and and as our fossil hydrocarbon fiesta kind of winds down what are we going to be left with what about the waste of all of the other beings on this planet you know yeah. they're talking about the waste of human potential but right, right now we're wasting the potential in the lives of, of millions of other species. I know. You know, know it's, it's really sad. Oh, uh, I mean, you talked about the whole philosophy. It's all human-centric. Human, human. There's no consideration. Yeah. No. So here we are waxing sort of philosophically about, about some of these things. But in some ways, he's a very complex guy who manifests all of these different characteristics of all these different guys. But... Uh, Fundamentally, he's just a con artist too, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I, I can see it. I mean, you just go to, I think his most laughable company is the Boring Company, which, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's laughable because of the name, but it, <laughs> I mean, it's a pretty much a real failure, right? I mean, I don't know when this uh, word Hyperloop came out, but I remember seeing it and just being like, what, what the hell? He's just tunneling? Like that? Yeah. How but, is that a Hyperloop? Oh, in a vacuum tube, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a little different. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and we're not going to sit here and lampoon it because these other guys have done an awesome job. There's uh, this guy goes by Adam something online with his YouTube videos. And he and, and a, another guy have also made a spoof video that the New York Times picked up just making fun of the the Tesla thing as basically being a choo-choo train. You know, it's like, the boring company now is using just Tesla cars apparently to drive on this Las Vegas tunnel. Test track kind of. Yeah. Well, so there are two ideas, right? There's this Hyperloop idea, which yeah. is basically we're going to shove people in a vacuum in a, vacuum in a, tubes, yeah. in a tube that's going to go across the entire country and yeah. you could get from San Francisco to New York and, yeah, you know. Hours, well, I think, I think they were they were literally claiming LA like to San minutes. Francisco in 30 minutes. In right. 30. Yeah. <laughs> you just shoot you in a vacuum, right? right? Yeah. Like, just boom. like at the bank when, you know, the old school used to yeah. put yeah. your check in a vacuum what, tube or what something. What could go wrong? Okay. Right, right. That's one idea. The other idea was like he was complaining about traffic Right. You know what I mean? So his like solution to traffic was like, well, we'll just dig tunnels underneath the roads. Yes. And we'll we'll send these you just get out of your these car, pods. they'll send your, right. your car down. So 
you know, this is Musk pretending that basically an old technology, you know, making a tunnel under a the ground is, is something new, some stupendous <laughs> breakthrough in transportation, right? And yeah. The, the guys that made the videos are, they're actually urban planners, mass transit, public transportation people, and they just lampoon how silly is. He talks about, what if instead of taking an elevator with your car down, we just had the people get down to the place where, where <laughs> and, and it, it shows them on an escalator. It's like, we could call it the hyper stair. You, know? <laughs> right. you mean like a subway? Yeah, maybe. Just <laughs> a little, something like that. Yeah. yeah it's, um, I mean, so, yeah, con man. And the, yeah. the sad thing is that he's, he's actually kind of sold this to some cities right. as like the future of their transportation. But then it goes absolutely nowhere, right? Because right. there's nothing behind it. And and so my I thought you know if he can't even deliver on the idea of installing a subway, okay. <laughs> hey hey, hyperloop uh, Tesla transporting super uh, underground uh, hyper hyper activity. <laughs> Call you it know, by the right name. <laughs> I'm pretty down on the notion that we can become a multiplanetary species in any significant way. I think he's completely delusional about prospects to terraform Mars, for example. Jesus he God. says things about, all we've got to do is drop nuclear bombs on the, on the poles, yes. and it will liberate a bunch of the frozen water, and that will create the greenhouse effect. And we'll, Like, no, it won't. Have, it won't. You, have you guys seen that board game, Terraforming Mars? Literally, it's a board game that you play with your friends so, while he, drinking beers. He must play it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Hey. So you got to just Let's wonder. Let's turn this into real life. You know, how much of this is just a complete con, right? How much of his well, posturing on Mars is similar to what he says about the self-driving cars that will be perfected next year, next year, next year, this Hyperloop? But, I, well, I think this is just, he's a grandiose narcissist. He believes his delusions, but we should not. Well, remember when we had clear-headed, mathematically inclined physicist Tom Murphy on the program? Yes. He said straight up, he's like, colonizing Mars, uh, you you realize how many, 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 many more orders of magnitude complicated that would be than setting up human colonies at the bottom of the Mariana Trench right. or at the top of Mount Everest. Yeah. And you look at how hard it would be to do those things. And it's like, yeah, yeah, we'll just colonize Mars. No problem. But this is where this is where the being born on third base and and the whole idea of like the reinforcing thing between self-interest and and belief systems is so dangerous because like you're talking about terraforming Mars and going there. I'm trying to think about like, what's the profit motive for that? I mean, obviously it's, it's back to the days of colonization where you had private chartered companies basically colonizing the quote unquote new world. That's sort of a similar model, you know, so maybe there's profit seeking from that, but, but it's like, he believes he could do it because he's been successful with these companies in the past. And then he does have this legitimate belief that all yeah. this stuff is possible. And so he's pursuing these things. And then in some cases, he is a full-on con artist. And it's hard to parse them. Because like what he's doing with the boring company, telling people don't do public transit, instead do this fucking underground bullshit and then not delivering it, that's a straight-up con. This uh-huh. other stuff, I think it really is part of a, a weird religious belief system that he has. Yeah, I think so. You guys are just uh, naysayers. I, I, he probably can borrow that gauntlet with the Infinity Stones attached to it from Tony Stark and just snap his fingers and make all this happen. But wasn't that about getting rid of half the population of the universe? <laughs> hey, it's whatever you wish. Isn't he what the opposite of? <laughs> <laughs> 
Okay, the insufferability index. We're late in the season. I'm not going to go over it in much detail, right? But zero is a very low score. High score is bad, like like Tucker Carlson, who's having some trouble lately. <laughs> so let's go through this, right? In, in score them on intentions, personality, ideas. Who wants to go first? Uh, I'll, I'll take it because I, I want to be able to relax and hear how badly a share ranks him. <laughs> okay. So uh, intentions, I think the guy's pretty power tripping, wants to gain a lot of power for himself. But on the other side, he, he has these delusions of grandeur about doing humanitarian things. So I, I'm going to give him about a two there. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm not going to go over the top. Personality, narcissism. I think he's a big time narcissist. He's getting a three there. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ideas, I I think he's not quite at the way, way. I mean, some of his ideas are, you know, right. colonize Mars. I think that's stupid. But, uh, you know, electric cars and stuff like that. PayPal, maybe that was, uh, you know, within the realm of, of, mm-hmm. of something that could work. So maybe two and a half there. So I don't know. Help me out. What do, uh, so far, I'm at what? You're at you're seven, seven and a half. Seven and a half. Wow. Mm-hmm. And I just don't really like him. So I'm giving him another point. 8.5. 8 okay. Wow. That's pretty high. What about you, Asher? I'm, I'm going to go 7.5. What? Uh, similar logic. Dang. Yeah. I thought you were going to give him a 12. No, I mean... Uh, I think there's a little bit of nuance to the dude. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Yeah. Always gray areas. You know, I I have a little soft spot for the fact that he was probably abused and he probably suffers from some, you know, personality defects that make it a little hard for him to relate to people. And he's a wounded human. And I think this is what's interesting about it is like almost all the people we've talked about this season, if you look into their history, there's something where you go... Oh God, I'm sorry that happened to you, mm-hmm. right? So I, I, in some ways, I feel bad about having to bring this all up. But they're in these positions of power, and so what do you? W- what else are we going to do, right? But I yeah, still it's give not a, like he's quietly minding his own business. No, and he's not like he's getting therapy. So you have to call it out, and you hope you hope for the. I think I want to hope for the best for him in the future. But I'm still going to give him an eight. <laughs> <laughs> all right. decision I've ever made in my entire life has been wrong. (laughs) My life is the complete opposite of everything I want it to be. If every instinct you have is wrong, then the opposite would have to be right. (laughs) So I talked a little earlier about this New York Times opinion video by the two Adams, Adam Kovacs and Adam Westbrook. And uh, they have this pretty good bit in there. They talk about this term gadget bond, mm-hmm. which uh, they define it as futuristic transportation that looks cool, but is unnecessarily complicated and is definitely not built for real people. And uh, Jason, you, you've become fond of sending around when you find an animation yeah. or a graphic of gadget bond. hotel. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. Flying cruise ships yeah. and stuff. Yeah. So these guys, they're down to earth. They're kind of like uh, regional planner types, you know, urban transportation. And and they tell you how to spot gadget bonds. So I think this is a good do the opposite. So instead of buying into something like yeah. the boring company would present, you, you kind of Use their filters. So this is what they say are the five warning signs that a mass transit idea is just a gadget bond, okay? One, the idea is proposed by a billionaire. (laughs) Two, the proposed transportation solution carries only a few passengers in undue luxury. Three, 
Its main feature is also its critical flaw, like the, the vacuum, the vacuum. tube. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah, they actually said, uh, this has a high potential to create human confetti. <laughs> uh, four, the vehicle looks like a futuristic sex toy. <laughs> And, and five, the vehicles are referred to as pods. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah, that is good. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Musk has this complex affixer element to his complex species, Frankensteinian, um, $6 million man-ish. <laughs> anyway, so I, in the Jacobson and Keith episode, I was talking about how to be skeptical of techno fixes, right? Yeah, yeah so I remember. Just, it was really good. So remember, I'm just going to review these real quick. Always beware of scale. Take off the energy blinders. Realize that time is not on our side and that complexity itself is what will, will confound the situation. Hmm. And also we prolong growth at our peril. So, so I, I, yeah, I think that's the other thing is, is keep these in mind evaluating things. Those, those aren't as funny as the two no. atoms, but they're, it's, a, it's a really good filter. I, I think it's easy to get wrapped up in the celebrity culture of someone like Elon Musk. It's easy to get wrapped up into these easy fixes. And so really trying to like, I don't know how you get those filters into your system, but really being able to read and listen and see these things with well, Google my, glasses. Google glasses. My Neuralink my Neuralink reminds right. me constantly of these. Uh, That's right. Damn it, I knew I wasn't gonna get good answers to that question. <laughs> well, I'm sure Elon is working on a solution to that right. problem, Rob. You know, uh, doing the opposite of what I was talking about earlier, sort of the really bad dynamic of belief systems being reinforced by self-interest, mm. that whole dynamic. Right. And we've talked before about cognitive biases and sort of the, the traps that we can fall into. And, and so thinking about doing the opposite of, of that in ourselves would be making sure that we're exposed to different worldviews, right? Different mm -hmm. information, different perspectives in our own lives. Because I think what tends to happen is that we, we fall into these traps of, of, Things being reinforced for us by the information that we're consuming or the people that we talk to. We yeah, the algorithms on the social media. Yeah, and I think it's important, I think, for all of us, you know, to, ha to, to have that checked a little right. bit. And it reminds me a little, we, we talked, uh, I don't remember what episode this was. We talked about hunter-gatherer tribes and, and <laughs> yeah. you know, when someone goes on a hunt and brings back a kill for the group. An impala. You know, I think it was a porcupine in this case. Oh, yeah, this the porcupine, point. the porcupine, specific, yeah, yeah, yeah. Specific Comes with example. toothpicks built in for yeah, after the meal. Fantastic, yeah. yeah. Basically, the, the tendency is to poo-poo the, the, the kill. Right. Ah, it's not that good, it's it a little gamey or whatever. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, I, may we all have people who kind of check our... Like the three of us do for each other. For each other, other exactly. Time. That was a terrible analysis this year. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. <laughs> Thank you. I feel so much better now. Well, I think this is really, this is really hard nowadays. We're, we're, we almost have this, like our culture is slipping into sort of, you know, illiberalism of, of, of tolerance, right? The idea that the other people, the other side is evil and they have bad intentions and you need to shame them or you need to cancel them. And I think that's really dangerous. And so I think figuring out how to broaden and have sensible conversations with people that you may disagree with, but also not dehumanize, I think is really critical. Yeah, that probably means don't have that conversation on social media for right. one. <laughs> well, right. and I would invite Elon Musk to embrace Different views, in yeah. this case, us, and, and send PCI a big fat yeah, Exactly. <laughs> Show that you're open-minded, Elon. <laughs> now, our friend Phil, he had this meme he was gathering together for Earth Day I thought was really good, so I want to share this. 
And it was this this sort of fake press release. The idea being that you know planet Earth is announcing that the subsidy has been providing to human civilization, commonly known as fossil fuels, will be withdrawn over the next few decades. And the statement noted, this was always the plan. The original contract disclosed that the supply was finite and urged the humans to make wise use of this energy bonanza by building long-lasting, easily repairable infrastructure that would allow civilization to flourish using the ongoing energy flux from the sun. And I think that's really what we need to be doing is, is figuring out how we're going to like use the remaining endowment we have and make things repairable, reusable, etc. So complete opposite, of course, of the Musk kind of technology and ideas. Yeah, flies in the face of colonizing the super cluster. But <laughs> yeah. uh, look, uh, the, maybe a, a parting fi- final do the opposite would be enjoy looking up at the stars, be inspired, but don't spend most of your time trying to figure out how to get there and colonize them. <laughs> okay. Well, thanks for listening. If you made it this far, then maybe you actually like the show. Yeah, and maybe you even consider yourself a real inhabitant of Crazy Town. Someone like us, who we affectionately call a Crazy Townie. If that's the case, then there's one very simple thing you can do to help us out. Share the podcast, or even just this episode. Yeah, text three people you know who you think would get a kick out of hearing from us bozos. Or if you want to go way old school, then tell them about the podcast face-to-face. Please, for the love of God, if enough people listen to this podcast, maybe one day we can all escape from crazy town. We're just asking for three people, a little bit of sharing. We can do this. The Boring Company and the Chinese Communist Party's Belt and Road Initiative have announced a strategic partnership called the East-West Mantle Penetrator Project. Up to now, human transport options to get from point A to point B have been limited to inefficiently moving along Earth's curvature. Not anymore. By this time next year, a vacuum tube will be constructed through Earth's mantle, moving in a purely linear rather than curvilinear manner, enabling spies, businessmen, and politicians to move between Washington, D.C. and Beijing in under one hour. The East-West Mantle Penetrator Project, accelerating the movement of madmen between continents through the center of the Earth. Crazy town, da 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 crazy town.